So if you are a family member and your your loved one is struggling with some kind of life controlling issues and it's the holidays, you would think that maybe at this time of year that they would want to choose to refocus. Um, I think putting into context what they're doing and how you really are not in control over their choices and reminding yourself that they choose their own path. You can only influence, you can pray, you can encourage, but at the end of the day, they make the choice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Free Podcast, the audio companion to Living Free, located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're a nonprofit organization that provides churches and ministries with small group training and discipleship programs to help people overcome life-controlling problems and find wholeness in Jesus. On this week's episode, Living Free President Dan Strickland is speaking with Dolly Thomas. Dolly is a licensed clinical psychologist and ordained minister, and she works with Adult and Teen Challenge, a faith-based residential drug recovery program where she helps families broken by addiction come to restoration and healing. With Thanksgiving and Christmas on the horizon, we wanted to talk to Dolly about some healthy ways to manage the many emotions that may present themselves during the holidays, especially for those families who may have individuals struggling with an addiction and navigating the holidays during the course of a pandemic. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode and find it helpful during the season. So let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Dan and Dolly. Well, Dolly, it's a pleasure to have you on uh, our podcast today. We've been looking forward to this time. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a joy. You know, we've been talking around the office and we've been been sending emails and, and discussing how difficult a time the holidays can be. Uh, we've you know you notice a, an uptake or an, a, an uptick in the number of people you know that are struggling with with different problems and uh, this particular year is is seems to be very brutal on people because of the the virus situation that's going around. So I just wanted to have some time just talk with you and. Uh, and get an idea of the kind of problems that people are struggling with this time of year and some of the things that might be done and be helpful for them. Great. I know that you work a lot with uh, families and, and helping them uh, dealing with some of the issues. And what are some of the things that get worse during the holiday season? Well, that's a great question. I mean, this is a this has been an unusual year and it's a difficult time of year for a lot of people. I mean, at this time of year, I was thinking about those cute wooden farmhouse signs that adorn people's front doors and kitchen. They say gather. And, and that's often what we associate with the holidays in this time, this time of year. But when someone is not at home either because of death and a lot of people have experienced that this year or divorce or estrangement because someone's life choices or controlling issues have made them walk out of the family or away from the family. It can put a real damper on the holidays. So people are experiencing people or someone missing at the table. I love that topic. I remember the first holidays I spent after my father passed away, the first meals, the first 
everything and it feels like such a gap and it can feel very depressing. And, or even when someone you love has, is gone for a while, I can imagine when my daughter leaves for college and that emptiness syndrome being so real. Um, and so when it's a favorable situation or a situation that was really out of your control, there's all these feelings. But I, I think that's compounded when there's choices that cause strain in the relationship that can lead to real sadness and isolation. So, you know, I wanted to talk about what happens when a family member is not involved because or not part of the the family celebrations, holiday celebrations due to life controlling problems and talk about how to help families uh, kind of get a grip on that and also feel, um, you know, just find ways to cope with seasonal blues that come with this time of year and that impact families. So when uh, you're dealing with families that are struggling with a loss of a loved one, uh, through any of those things, but especially through uh, an addiction or a life controlling problem, what are some of the typical uh, feelings that they have to cope with? Well, you know, there's a lot of feelings. There's sadness, depression. There's a lot of anxiety. What is my loved one doing out there? Where are they? Are they going to come back? Will they survive? Sometimes there's that survivor's guilt. Like, here I am. I'm at home. I'm enjoying my family. And I could have been out there. Or maybe I should have been out there. And they're out there. And it feels wrong. It doesn't feel fair or right that, um, you know, they get to be the ones at home enjoying whatever the family's doing together. So there's a lot of complex emotions around someone being out there and not part of what's happening at the table. I would guess that a lot of times that people sometimes blame themselves for the situation because certainly mm -hmm. a, an addicted person can turn that around on you and say, well, if you had just been or if you had just done, then I wouldn't be in this situation do you find that's a, a real problem with some of the people at this time of year? Sure. I mean, I think parents particularly feel like, what did I do or what should I have done or could I have done differently that would have made my daughter or son choose a different path? And so there's a lot of that parental guilt. I think that's true even for marriages where you have a spouse really thinking about what could I have said differently or done differently that could have impacted it. But I think there's also anger. That's another emotion that's very real, just anger about the fact that this person chose drugs or alcohol or another person over, you know, the people who are at home and there's rejection, there's shame, there's all kinds of feelings that stem or that are connected with that. And so um, it becomes very difficult to deal with if you're focused on that. How do you help somebody in that situation? Well, um, there's there's several things. So if you are a family member and your your loved one is struggling with some kind of life controlling issues and it's the holidays, you would think that maybe at this time of year that they would want to choose to refocus. Um, I think putting into context what they're doing and how you really are not in control over their choices and 
reminding yourself that they choose their own path. You can only influence, you can pray, you can encourage, but at the end of the day, they make the choice. And once you have finally come to that peace, um, it allows you to free yourself so you're not so encumbered by their decisions and you're free to move on and choose your own path and choose your own joy for that day. Choose your own peace um, and where their choices don't just drag you down as well. It seems to me that would be a difficult thing to do alone. Uh, do people need somebody outside of themselves to help them have some perspective on, on what's happened? Uh, I would say definitely. You know, depression um, is caused really by thoughts that lead to feelings that lead to actions, you know, and really they're, you know, they can, you can say that feelings lead to thoughts that lead to actions and the other way around. I mean, it's just, they're, they're all reciprocal. Um, but what I would say is one way to combat depression and anxiety and sinking into those feelings is gathering with friends, gathering with people. In fact, I remember when I was in graduate school, I learned how social isolation is one of the things that marks people who will go on to develop a full-blown mental disorder as opposed to those who may have those tendencies or may start having some of those symptoms, but then finally go and seek help from somebody else, it prevents them from moving into a deeper kind of depression or a deeper kind of psychosis path. And so um, definitely connecting with others, finding people to talk to, finding someone to uh, who is even a professional who can help you sort through feelings that even a friend or a loved one or a spouse can't help you with, I think are so critical and helpful in this time. Even uh, finding a church, I know it's difficult in these days to connect with a church community, but there are lots of virtual resources that really many organizations and churches are trying to provide. And I would say that linking up with someone either virtually or in person is really, really helpful to combat these feelings. A lot of times people that are depressed won't get out of their shell. I mean, you, you know, they, you, we tell them, you know, to go to this or, or to hook up with other people, but that's one of the last things they feel like they want to do. Um, is there are there some ways that you think that churches or just neighbors or people that care about other people are there some things they can do to help people that are in that situation especially this time of year when the days are short and the nights are long there's a, a lot of just uh feeling bad you know and just wanting to to hold up what 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 would you suggest people do that care about people I think that's a great question. The seasonal blues are very real. You know, people respond to the lack of light in in lots of different ways. I mean, you know, you, you see higher melatonin levels, lethargy, and symptoms of depression just from having shortened days. 
there's a lot that neighbors and friends and the church can do to help. I think it starts with a heart of compassion. You know, when Jesus looked out at the, you know, into Jerusalem, he saw a sheep without a shepherd and he saw them harassed and helpless. And that's in Matthew chapter nine. And he invites us to have that kind of heart of compassion toward others. So I do think that how a, a neighbor or a church member can help is to first have that heart, that perspective of others that Jesus had, which is, you know, one of caring and compassion. And that heart then moves us toward action. And so there are little things that we can do. It can be a note. It can be a text. It can be an email. It can be a um, you know, a basket of fruit or something at the door. Um, you know, it can be an invitation to an event, something that includes, I mean, I, I have several clients that I've talked to who for different reasons have struggled with depression and therefore became withdrawn. And what you're describing is very true. It's just difficult to take that first step to get out there and try to you know, connect with somebody else. But when somebody invites them, it takes that pressure off. It tells them, oh, somebody wants me. And so therefore, I don't have to worry if I'm going to be rejected here. I've already been invited. So I think making that first step of inviting someone and inviting them into your world can really help with, you know, the depression or the seasonal blues that can come with this time of year. That is so important. And thanks for sharing that. Because a lot of people think that, you know, to uh, reach out and help somebody that is struggling, you know, with a with a mental uh, difficulty or depression, you know, you have to have a high level of training or you have to, to be able to do heroic things. But what I hear you saying is that there's a great deal of good that can be done just by reaching out and helping a person even when they may not even want it, you know, or they don't feel like they want it, but being persistent in bringing them into, uh, you know, a, an area. It reminds me of a, a relative of mine who is a, with a widow. And um, mm. she, um, you know, is, is lonely a lot of times, but she lives near a military base. And so she gets some of her family members together and they do, they invite some of the soldiers that are away from their family out to their home and they put on a big feast on that time. And not only does that help the guys that are away from family, but it helps her as well. So I, it's so important. I I think that's such a great point. In fact, if I were to tell one of your listeners, you know, how do you help in this time? I think giving back in some way is a really important way to combat the negative feelings that can accompany this season. I mean, there's lots of studies that show that altruistic acts combat depression and God in the Bible commands us to give generously. And so I think finding creative ways to serve and give during this season is, um, is, is really helpful to those that might feel estranged, but also even to yourself. Um, I mean, it can, thinking about others helps us to keep the focus off of ourselves. Well, here's the scenario. You've got the house decorated, you've got a great meal on, you've invited family members over, and you've got your expectations set really high on how the day is going to go, and then it turns into something that is less than pleasant. What do you do about that? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. I would say, first of all, to lower your expectations, <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's dangerous when we have really high expectations for what it's going to be like when all of our families been together. This has been a stressful year for a lot of people. Um, there's been a lot of loss, a lot of, um, I think when it's tentative and it's not really certain what's going to happen. That uncertainty leads to a lot of anxiety. And so I think in general, lowering expectations for how everyone's going to get along and how everything's going to go can help us to just appreciate what does happen when we do get together. So that's one thing. But I would also say, I mean, reuniting with family can be stressful for a lot of people during the holidays. I mean, we don't all agree politically. We don't necessarily agree spiritually in some families. And so, um, you know, there's, there's differences. We've been doing different things. Maybe we've been separated geographically. And so one thing I would say is to have this heart of, and this mindset of forgiveness where you, you approach the holidays and everybody getting together and you're just going to let words and things that happen just kind of roll off of you. You're not going to let them fester. I mean, you, for some people only have the opportunity to see face to face your family members just for these three to five days to one week. And so to make the most of that opportunity by not letting the little things bother you and to let them go and set aside those differences and really just try for those three to five days or however long y'all are together to accept your loved ones as they are and let God handle what you cannot. Excellent point. Very well said. Now, I know that you do a lot of work with families of people that are in a treatment program or in a recovery program called Teen Challenge, and it's an excellent uh, faith-based facility and program that you're involved with. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about your work with the family members of people that are in that program? Sure. Um, Yes, I work with the ministry called Adult and Teen Challenge of Texas. Adult and Teen Challenge is located all over the the country and all over the world. I think there's 200 plus programs in the United States and 1,400 all over the world. And what we do here in Texas is we have a program that we call Lifeline, where every weekend the family members of our students have the opportunity to visit with their loved ones who are in the program. But during that visit, we require them to participate in a an hour-long group, a support group. And we actually use a living free curriculum to do that. Uh, namely, we use a concerned persons group, which um, allows us to talk with the concerned persons, in this case, the loved ones of our students about what is addiction, what is the process, what is um how does a family contribute to that and how can a family be equipped to receive this loved one once they come back home? So we address a lot of different issues that this support group helps us uh, with. We've enjoyed a long working relationship with adult and teen challenge and in their ministry around the world. And one of the things that I've always thought is that there needs to be something for the families and you have done a great job and and been a great example on how to reach out to the families of people who are recovering from addiction, because it seems to me that the family members oftentimes suffer more than the person with a life-controlling problem. It's true. 
It's true. I mean, addiction is a systemic problem. It's not just one black sheep of the family who went astray. I mean, it's often because there was something happening in that system. And this one particular individual, um, either, you know, for a number of reasons, it, it, it hit them differently. And so, but learning how the family played a role, not to be um, punitive or in, blaming the family, but to understand how the dynamics of the family allowed or not allowed, but contributed to someone choosing a path that they chose uh, kind of allows a, a family member to see that addiction in context. And Really, at the end of the day, it helps someone to show grace towards someone that they feel might be so different or so far off, and it allows you to see them with a different pair of eyes. It also allows a family member to set better boundaries and um, to learn where to say no and when to say yes and to have limits that really prevent, um, you know, prevent you from enabling that person or, um, and prevent uh, an addiction from continuing within the context, sorry, within the context of the family. I'm thinking about, you know, this season that we're approaching Christmas is not that long away and it's a great Mm -hmm. time of celebration of family gathering of giving gifts of doing all kinds of things. And we do it, you know, in front of a manger set sometimes, and we we do it, uh, even the name Christmas, you know, celebrates Christ. But sometimes it's just the symbolism. People don't get down to the real relationship and understanding what the season is all about. Dolly, how would you say that faith helps a person who's struggling this time of year and who has an addicted person in their life? Mm. Wow. Well, I can't imagine personally, as a, a woman of faith, I can't imagine going through the struggle of a loved one having an addiction without faith in Christ. And so that is my worldview, just because the Bible says that he is my help. You know, my help comes from the Lord. He is my maker and my strength. And so when that is the case, when you know that whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're afraid about, even with your loved one struggling, you know that you have a God who's willing to help you, that that faith can really settle and calm your heart and give you peace to keep moving forward. Um, how else does a faith in Christ help? I mean, we talked about social isolation. I truly believe that knowing that you have a friend who sticks closer to you than a brother, and that is Jesus Christ, it can help you feel really, truly never alone, never isolated, because you have someone to talk to and who will support you through whatever you're dealing with. And how does he support you? He supports you through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, and then by allowing you to reach out to the people of God who want to help you. You know, I think a a relationship with Christ also helps your worldview and your mindset. You know, it allows you to have an eternal perspective on everything that you're experiencing. So yes, in the present, it's very real. You know, someone that you're, that you love is, 
you know, in a horrible situation, but you know that this life is temporary and you know that there's an eternal life that you can look forward to, but also that you can pray that this person would experience. And so that's the final thing I would say about how a faith in the Lord helps during this time is prayer is a powerful weapon. Prayer allows you to take on a perspective of praise when you feel like giving up and when you feel like nothing around you looks good. Prayer gives you peace. Prayer gives you companionship. Prayer is just an amazing gift God's given us that we can talk to the one who made us and knows how it's all going to all going to end, knows how it's all going to work out. And he's for you and with you. One thing that we know and that the Bible teaches very plainly is that God is good and God mm-hmm. loves us. And out of that love and that goodness, he gives and he's given us many promises. And those promises are designed and, and the purpose behind them is to help us live an excellent life. And that's a life that's not self-destructive. That's a life that's filled with love for other people. It's a life that longs after goodness and and uh, and relates with other people, you know, out of that goodness. And that is a supernatural work that happens in a person's heart. I mean, it's when we come to the grips and, and we seek that relationship with God and we ask him to be our Lord and we come into that fellowship and relationship with him. I think, you know, that that's the greatest gift and that's the gift yeah. that all of this season is predicated upon. And it is the one thing that can bring peace to our hearts because we know that we're never Never, never alone. And I know that, uh, Dolly, you are a strong believer. And I would just, my my final question to you is, how does that faith that you have, uh, how does that motivate you to be in the kind of work that you're in right now? Wow. Um, first of all, I wouldn't be in this work without a relationship with the Lord. I, my father died when I was young. He was killed in a car accident and burned or burned in the fire, in a fire. But my mom was really also severely burned in that fire. And, um, I was saved from that fire, my siblings and I, and my mom survived. My dad didn't. And, um, I truly believe that God saved me from a physical fire to now, help and be an agent of change to bring people out of eternal fire. And that's the way it's my life mission. I, I love getting to tell people about Jesus and getting to invite people into a walk with him because I know how much he's changed my own life. I didn't live perfectly, obviously no one does, but I struggled with anger and I struggled with lots of things myself, but I have seen God heal, restore, and truly use even the most difficult things in my life for good. And so knowing how God changed me motivates me to share that joy and that love and that hope with really everybody that I meet. I mean, whether you're at the grocery store, my kids know, man, if someone looks like they're hungry, or if the Holy Spirit, you know, is sort of nudging me in a way, we're going to get into a conversation. And that's nothing because of who I am. It's the Holy Spirit and the way he has allowed me to 
to live. It's the joy that I get to have to be his servant here. And so this work here at Adult and Teen Challenge, I mean, it's just, I really feel just such a privilege and a joy getting to see women come get saved, men totally restored to a relationship with the Lord, people who the world would have thrown away, but whom God had a purpose for. Love seeing them embrace that purpose. It's very exciting and it's very, um, very, it's just really such a privilege to get to be in this line of work. And that's only because of Jesus. It certainly is. Dolly, thank you for being with us today. It's been a great pleasure to talk to you. And uh, I wish you the very best of holidays and a Merry Christmas. And I hope that, uh, you know, this this program will be a blessing to the people that have heard it. And we'll uh, give them some guidance in how to enjoy the season with realistic expectations and with a concentration on what this season is all about anyway. So thanks again. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for giving me this chance to do it. Everyone, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Living Free Podcast. And thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Living Free, how to start a group, order material, or make a donation, please visit livingfree.org.